0: Would you like to hear how one entrepreneur used multiplication by subtraction to go from 44 to 14 employees and save a million dollars? Stay tuned for this episode where we do a case study on multiplication by subtraction. Hi, Shannon Waller here, and welcome to a very, very special episode of Team Success. Today, we're actually going to really highlight a case study with one of our brilliant clients who's in the Free Zone Frontier Workshop named Paul Abel. So, Paul, thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks for taking time out of your, I know, busy calendar to talk about a particular way that you did multiplication by subtraction. I was completely fascinated when you shared your story in the workshop.
1: Thanks, Shannon. You know... Thanks to you. Thanks to you and your book, which I have right in front of me. And I, you know, I founded my company, this company 12 years ago. You know, it's funny, I actually was listening today to one of your podcasts from a few days ago. You know, when you found your, when you start your company as an entrepreneur, you really are just trying to figure things out and get sales in. And hopefully you land a couple of big deals and you have a little bit of pressure off and then, you know, your two pops around, your three pops around, and it gets more complex and involved and client demands. And as you go along, you're still maintaining the same talent and the same systems. And then, you know, as you know, we, we were fortunate, my company has grown, you know, since the inception between 10 and 60% a year every year. So it's been really good that way. And really, the biggest thing that happened to me was four years ago, and that's actually when I started Coach was four years ago is when things came clear to me of how much I didn't know. So so that was the first thing. And I was looking at all the books, you know, when you go into coach and all the books are on the bookcase, and I saw this thing called multiplication by subtraction. So I bought it, and I took it on the plane, and I read it. I'm going, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is exactly it. And I think the, the most profound thing in the book is, you know, as an entrepreneur, and, you know, going back to your podcast from a few weeks ago on culture, right? So, I'm, I'm the typical guy that attracts people because of an amazing culture. We have a lot of fun. We do amazing things. It's exciting. But what I misunderstood about culture was that it's not only about the fun. It's not only about right fit employees. But there's an execution element to culture. And if you don't have a culture... Of accountability and execution, it's really not a culture. It's a club. Mm-hmm. It's a club, right? So it's not a business. It's a club. So and that's where I think I made the mistake is my business was run like a club. We have a lot of fun. We still have, you know, uh, lots of good times in the business. But equally, you got to execute. You got to have capability, and you know, make sure that you can do the job. So what happened was there was two big breakthroughs for me. Is the one that I started understanding the concept of executioning culture, not just fun. And secondly, we installed EOS, you know, which is a based on the Rockefeller habits. One of the things on the process of doing EOS is really being clear of who, who you're a Euro to, right? Who, why does your business exist and who you're trying to help and what you're trying to solve. Secondly, As you do that, you put together these, what's called accountability charts instead of organizational charts. But when you do, you have to document, okay? So, that's the magic. So, I think a lot of companies have people doing certain activities, but the founders and the owners are so out of their business when it comes to how it works. And they still, you know, believe that things are working the way it was set up maybe three, four years ago when they set it up with the person. So, basically, we installed the process and, um, you know, I'm pretty disciplined of executing, you know, and I commit to making things happen. What I realized and the biggest breakthrough for me is when the employees were documenting what they were doing, I'm referring back now to your podcast a few weeks ago and you, you mentioned something called the kingdoms. So, I had kingdoms in my office and people weren't really willing to share what they were doing because... You know, it was legacy employees that wanted to still be very valuable in the company as we were growing and created kingdoms. So, when we asked them, hey, please document what you do, oh, my God, it was impossible. It was impossible to get the information. So, we were successful with the right fit employees, the wrong fit employees we recognized very quickly. We're resistant to share. Mm
0: -hmm. Sorry, Paul, I just want to jump in because I can't wait to get into where I know you're going. But before we even do that, can you even tell people a little bit about what you do and the service that you provide in the market? Because when I first learned about it, I was like, wow, that is so useful and not anything I ever in a million years would have dreamt of. So can you share what you do before we jump into that, just to give people a little more context?
1: Absolutely. So my background is in the fast food business and my family's in the burger king business and i built out a chain of bagel stores in san diego called brugger's bagels and you know collectively employed you know close to a thousand employees with 100% turnover every 90 days because of uh, the way that fast food works with students etc so because of that you know it wasn't unusual to have employee related issues regarding employee disputes, wrongful termination, minimum wage issues, et cetera. So, what the goal is on this new business, which I founded 12 years ago, it really morphed about six years ago, was with one mission and one mission only, is I found myself in the fast food business, owning all these restaurants, in front of the labor board, dealing with an employee-related issue and always lost because the government's job is not to tell the employer what the new laws are. It's the employer's job to know. So, I was always losing. It's not that I wanted to do anything wrong. It just felt terrible. So, the mission of the company is first and foremost to inform employers of the ever-changing regulation regarding labor laws in the workplace. So, that's the first part is free information and to try and get out there as much uh, what has changed. And then, through a trusted source, which could be an association, we do work our products on Costco, they're on Amazon, they're in Walmart. We have maybe 1,500 business services-type companies that embrace us. And we created multiple solutions that include harassment prevention training, the workplace postings that are necessary that are both on a state level, a federal level, a city level, a county level, industry specific. So, we just really monitor. We have a whole department. That's the interesting part. We used to have a lot of people that were in that department monitoring the laws, and then we would communicate it to our customer base and client base. And as a result, we generate income by helping employers. And by the way, the employer avoids fines and lawsuits because they're providing a safer environment for the employees. So it's a Mm win-win for everybody. So we love this business.
0: Well, and I love how that you took a problem that was a pain point in your previous business and actually created a new business around to solve that, that benefits not only employers, because it's not much fun being called up in front of (laughs) regulators, but also the employees. So everyone's clear. Everyone is better off because of that. And that's what I was like, wow, I just never would have dreamt of that. Of course, I've not had that much experience in the fast food business either, but just very impressive that you saw a problem that other people weren't solving and then that really has become your mission. So back to your story. And by the way, the whole distinction, do you have a culture or a club? With your permission, I'm going to borrow that because that's brilliant. You know, without accountability, you have a club, which I know some companies like that. But where you were at with your story was that you really had some legacy employees that were building the kingdoms that we referenced in the Team Success podcast. So tell me more about that and what happened. Give me the before and after.
1: I think, you know, just taking away... You know, what I think a lot of entrepreneurs do is we don't like letting people go because of our culture and who we are and we're loyal, and that's why people get attracted to us. So, you hang on. And honestly, you know, after I went through multiplication by subtraction, I was thanked, you know, by those people, those employees that are still, by the way, they're legacy employees and still come to our events and parties. So, legacy employees are still invited to all our events and parties, and we still see them. And we actually find them jobs. So if they're not the right fit, we will help them through the transition and get a new job. And it really works out pretty well for everybody. So what happened was, going back into the documentation side of things, that's where the breakthrough happened is because I realized very quickly that some people didn't want to give up information what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, execution wasn't great. You know, we're having a lot of issues. And secondly, it was very expensive because there were a lot of people involved in that. But at the same time, I'm trying to run my business. So how am I going to go do this, right? Mm -hmm. So I was really blessed. I I ran across a resume and I I really scored. This is hitting the jackpot. So I came across this lady. Her name's Pam Levin. She actually, you may have met her at Coach because I've sent her there last year. And oh my God, she was unbelievable. She had one mission. And the initial mission was we had one process that had five to six people working in it with maybe 60 steps in it. And we got it wrong all the time. And her job was to go fix it. And I swear, there's no other human in the world that could have done it, but I found her. And she not only did it, but so efficient, so effective, utilizing technology, in addition to really documenting. But this is the key. You see, she went and sat in the seat of every employee. Mm. And she did the documentation. How that worked is she would ask the employee, how do you do this? And this is crazy. We clearly saw that the employees that were not willing to share what they were doing were red lights to us. Okay, That was like, okay we got a problem, this kingdom's going on in our business. But she's just amazing in how she dealt with that. And the outcome was after 12 months of doing this, you know, she would pop into my office and she would say, Paul, do you know that we are moving paper from one desk to another desk and going down? I mean, it was just silly how many things we were doing that were legacy process. It was legacy stuff that maybe was worth doing six years ago, but we don't even have – we had some things we were doing that we don't have those clients anymore. So, we were still doing things in the business that we don't even have clients. And I think that's my message to entrepreneurs is don't try to do the documentation yourself. And the other one is be cautious. You're going to have amazing employees that are uh, going to want to step up and help with this, but a lot of them, for whatever reason, have a scarcity mindset. And they think that hey, if I have to document myself, I'm going to lose my job. And this is a weird thing. Those that lost their jobs were the ones that had the scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. and the others that helped with the process have evolved to what I call super employees. Ooh. So this is another concept. So we now employ super employees, and a super employee, which I'll go into in a moment, has a definition. But that's really what the journey was: was hiring a person. I was lucked out that she's so smart, so great, and just so passionate. And by the way, she's our culture manager now.
0: Mm, Brilliant. So
1: she's the one that really, oh, this is another story. I had two senior leaders on my leadership team that tried to sabotage her. They ganged up on her. And they were trying to, you know, I'm, I'm a little street smart, so I can read between the lines. But they were totally ganging up on her and saying horrible things to about her. And uh, by the way, they're no longer employed me. So they were quickly gone. Yep. you know, And that's really... So those are what happened then. What's happening now, you know, companies company is maybe four times the size. We ship close to a million products a year, so a million packages. You know, we have most probably half a million employers that we're working with. And we have physical products. We have 1,200 distributors. Our products are in retailers like Costco, et cetera. And I do all of this with 14 employees. That includes management.
0: That's amazing. And when I talked to you, you said you had had 44 employees.
1: I had 44 employees, and that was the issue. I was spending most of my time dealing with employee-related issues, not working on my business. And it was just tremendous drama. And there were the wrong fit employees. So reading your book, your book was amazing. You got a section in there about symptoms. Yes. Page 34,
0: 35. That was one of my favorite parts of the book to write. I
1: was on the airplane and I'm going, oh my God, I have this disease. I see this symptom. Oh man, this is happening. And we have this disease in accounting. We have this disease. We had all these symptoms. But what's cool about it is you gave me a way to have conversations and to be able to set people free. You know, I have a couple of employees I set them up in businesses, so they're actually self-employed. They're great people. Just the business grew, the technology changed. We're working in a collaborative format, and not everybody loves that, Shannon. Not everybody wants to work as a collaborator, and they prefer being lone wolves and getting things done on their own. But there's lots of jobs for them. There's lots of employers that need them, but we're a very collaborative, you know, organization that relies on each other for success. Mm-hmm. And we had to eliminate those from our team that didn't have that ability. Great people. And by the way, the interesting part, they still consult for us. So they're still employed, right? They're still employed but they come to the Christmas parties and all our birthdays. But they just not full time with us and they have other clients that they have been very successful helping as well.
0: That's super cool. Well, congratulations on your success. And the title of the book is Multiplication by Subtraction, How to Gracefully Let Go of Wrong Fit Team Members, which you have completely done. So kudos. <laughs> but the other thing, there was a major boost to your bottom line.
1: Yes.
0: You mentioned it to me. Would you mind sharing it with yes. people listening? Because I thought that was also that got my attention.
1: Yeah, and that's where you know consider I added payroll by bringing in Pam, okay, and you know Pam's really smart, so it's not like you're you're not going to spend twenty thousand dollars, or you're going to spend a lot more than that, okay? As an entrepreneur or business owner, it's a commitment, it's an investment. So the first thing is you've got to make the investment, you've got to make the commitment. So the first year it cost me. The first year was a absolute cost. It was not anything of a savings. But then what happened, though, execution became amazing. So client satisfaction was at its highest point because Pam was in the game making sure everybody, and she's the doctor, right? We have the symptoms. So we saw really client satisfaction go up, less mistakes. We weren't having any errors. There weren't returns. There weren't any refunds, the amount of people answering phone and client services. The phone just wasn't ringing on the bad side, and it was ringing more on the strong side. So, then what happened on about six to eight months after this, it became really clear with our quarterly meetings that we don't need to do certain things. And then we also became very clear on a financial side. You see, it also helped me with our PLs. So we started looking at how much things cost. You know, how much does it cost to do this particular activity? And we go, wait a second, we're spending you know thirty thousand dollars a year doing an activity, but the ROI is a thousand. But as most business owners don't spend time looking at that and don't have the time, but then I hired somebody to do it. So that was immediate. Immediately, we started eliminating. And by the way, the business grew twenty-five percent during this process. Because of such great execution. Year two, we eliminated our, what we call our post to change process, and we had six people in it. And Pam basically augmented artificial intelligence. And this is where we actually have our first super employee. So, what is a super employee? This was the one that was born. So, we have a, it's all about culture. So, they have to really fit our core values. So, that is non negotiable. But what we do is we actually bring in a lot of temps to work in our business because we do production. And when we find temps, we have a specific requirement. We call them PhDs. You know, I don't like the word that I say, poor, but they're just struggling with money. It's just bad time in their life, hardworking, and determined. (laughs) So if they're a PhD, they have my attention and everybody else in the business. And the criteria is they have to have two jobs. So, they're working in a job with us, and then at the evening, they go work as a waiter or something else. But there's even better. They're working the two jobs to pay off a debt or to help a family member. Mm-hmm. Now, when I find those, I don't care anything about their education. I don't care what their experience was in the past. I don't care what they did. Those are the people that I know fit what you're looking for. So we have this guy, Brian, who was a PhD, and he would work for us and do, we have a printing facility. And when he was done working with us, he would go home and then shower and go work at a 7-Eleven. And he did this because his wife is in the Philippines and he wanted to bring his wife to San Diego. Mm -hmm. Now you tell me, is that not a special individual? Well, kind of long story short, 12 months after, you know, testing him out, We sat down with him and we put together a financial package for him that he could quit his 7-Eleven job and not have to do that anymore, but he had to learn how to utilize another step on our process. So Brian's our super employee, where he was trained and augments his job with the technology that Pam put together, because she's a genius, Mm -hmm. and we use Process Street and all sorts of stuff in artificial intelligence. But then he also has outsourced providers that he also works with that do artwork and facilitation. So he does, the super employee, what eight people did. Eight people? What eight people did.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
1: Yes, but there's three ingredients, right? You've got to have the right person who is willing to learn. Mm -hmm. And if you invest in them, they will invest back in your company. And that's what a lot of, lot of entrepreneurs or business owners don't understand. If you invest in your people, not only money, but your time understanding who they are and what they do, they're going to invest back in your life and your company 10 times. And then if you give them skills to augment those, they even more appreciative. And then to set them up for success to do their job, everybody wins. So that was the first one mm-hmm. on that part.
0: I love it. <laughs> I love your criteria actually because someone who is struggling, you know, working two jobs is an excellent criteria, and then you help make their lives better because you get it down to where they only have to work one job, so you've saved them a lot of time and effort and probably heartache sometimes, and then increase their capability level so they're much more valuable to you and much more valuable to the marketplace. The other thing that you talked about, and this is one way that Dan Sullivan talks about teamwork in Strategic Coach, is a lot of our teamwork is also now with technology. So you talked about Pam bringing in AI and Process Street, which I also know is I haven't experienced it, but it's supposed to be fabulous for helping to document those processes. And that's one of the ways to think about teamwork moving into our 21st century is the leverage. You know, he now does the work that eight people used to do. And just to get back to that bottom line number that I found so appealing, what you mentioned in the workshop is he saved you a million dollars.
1: Since we've spoken, it's even more. Oh. And actually white. So then in addition to Pam, I have another individual. His name's Juan. And one moved furniture for a moving company six years ago, and I hired that moving company to move my office. And he was setting up uh, my desks as I had told him to set up the desk. And he pulled me aside. He said, hey, you know, I know you want your desk like this. Tell me why. And I said, well, I have a bookkeeper that comes in, and she sits there, and I sit here. He says, I understand what you're trying to do. Do you mind if I configure it a little bit differently? Would that help you? So, which is amazing that this is this guy that works for a moving company. Kind of long story short, he runs our production facility. You know, he's in charge of all our manufacturing, and we've augmented our manufacturing plant now with Mexico. So, one is a super manager that has super employees that we do only – I'm going to mention or try and phrase it right, not crappy stuff. What's the opposite of crappy stuff?
0: Unique ability. Stuff
1: <laughs> Everybody's in the unique ability and there's super employees in my distribution center making sure that our facilities in Mexico and elsewhere are sufficient. So we usually have in our building like in December, we you know I think we move a half a million posters in December, something like that. And usually we have a hundred temps that come in we, we had 30 this year mm-hmm. or 20. It was nothing. So talk about on-demand labor that I can only bring in labor when I need it mm-hmm. because the systems and the processes are so well done and my super employees are trained on how to augment technology and outside labor. Nice. So that's I have 14 people that are just super employees that have been selected specifically for this mission.
0: This is so fascinating, Paul, because it actually, I think, gives almost a new model for how to envision a company. And when you have super employees, and you know, in coach terminology, that's people who are doing their unique ability, 100% engaged. You know, also innovative. To Juan's credit, he had the courage, frankly, to speak up to the owner, the founder of the company. Goodness, to say, hey, you know, tell me why and would you open to us a new suggestion? I mean, not everyone has the courage to do that. But when you have these incredibly capable and committed people, just what's possible when they team up with other humans and then other forms of intelligence as well, it's kind of incredible what could happen. Very strategic, very just in time. And, Just to go back with EOS, which stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System, founded by Gina Wickman, who's also a coach client, if anyone's not familiar with that, you know their whole thing is to document processes. I mean, backstage, that's what you want to be doing. And I love our coach tool unique method for that. And I've had almost exactly the same experience finding some redundancies. And let me just tell this quick story because I think you'll appreciate it. So one time I hired this wonderful, talented, capable woman who was working for me and doing sales. And she sold 20 people, signed up 20 people into the program. She was working under me in two weeks. And that was a big number. <laughs> that was a lot. And then she came to me at the end of the two weeks, and there was a big commission check and everything else. And she goes, I never want to do that again. And I was like, oh, I was really hoping you'd try again next week, <laughs> next And I said, why? She goes, because every single one of those sales had so much work. We went and documented every single sale had 24 steps. Wow. I'm like, good Lord, no wonder you don't want to do that again. We documented it though. This is the value of doing this. I learned a lot. And thankfully, this is a while ago. So I've remember this, but we document all this stuff. And I slashed and burned. I'm like, okay, we can stop doing this. Forget that point. Forget that letter. Forget this communication. Let's outsource that. Let's delegate this. We got it back down to 12, which is how many is on our tool. And I said, how do you feel now? She goes much better. But I had actually, despite a very successful result, the amount of effort, because we hadn't examined the process, to your point, and stuff we were doing is just because we've always done it that way. How many times have we all heard that? And not actually re-examining and kind of just focusing on, it, is that still the best and right way to do it? And now we could even make it more efficient with technology. So I find what you were saying, I was like, yes, <laughs> I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. But I found it interesting that it was through that process, and kudos to Pam, we have a chance to meet too and get to know, You know, that's actually how you identified the problems and identified the kingdoms and the people who are not willing to share. I find that really fascinating.
1: I don't think that i not brought her in. That I would have had the success trying to do this on my own. Mm -hmm. You know, Dan hadn't come up with who, not how at that time, but that's exactly what that was. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have the capability. But, you know, you have to have a unique individual because there's going to be power plays. I had two leaders that were trying to sabotage her. Oh, by the way, how I managed this well is I brought her in as an outside consultant, I didn't bring her on my payroll. So that's another tip, which, by the way, now she's on my leadership team. And she's amazing. I mean, she's part of our hard wiring of our future at the States. But there was the other tip is don't bring in the person as – bring in a consultant so there's an arm's length. But you'll find the ones in the kingdoms are the ones you don't want. Mm-hmm. You do not want those people. Those are the ones that are toxic. Those are the ones that you know haven't don't have an abundance mindset. They're not interested in the company growing. They're interested in maintaining their position.
0: Yes, they're there for their reasons, not yours. That's actually what inspired me to write the book.
1: Is that right, eh? is that so- I was
0: so frustrated with Kingdom Builders, usually on the leadership team, yeah. and I would call it out. And then two years later, my client would go, oh, you know that person that you told me about? You were right. I'm like, I knew it, you know, but that was two years later. So they had two years of pain to undo. So yes, that was actually the impetus. My frustration with that situation is what pulled me to write the book.
1: And then they're typically very valuable employees too. They're legacy, they're valuable, and they actually are managing a very important cog in your machine. And you're scared. You're very scared as an owner to do something. You know, you're you're hostage to your own business. You're held hostage to your own business. You know, that's not the way you're going to grow. And then what happens is other employees, the culture just goes upside down man. Because it turns out where, you know, you talk about culture, but you really don't keep the standards and the level up. Mm -hmm. Our company, I have three rules that I live by. So the first and foremost is culture. It's the number one thing. And again, culture isn't only about remembering birthday parties and having fun. Culture is about being accountable, executing well, and owning your domain while we have fun and treat each other well. So that's very important. The other thing is innovation. We're very innovative. You know, we're always looking at how do we do better what we do. But none of that works if you don't have execution. So for me, it's a, it's culture, innovation. So C plus I plus E equals we just kick ass. So that's what we do.
0: <laughs> Actually, I love it. So on that note, a moment ago, you mentioned future. So you've told us kind of what life was like before. You've told us what it's like now after you made that decision to let go of 30 people, which is really a quarter of your workforce.
1: But not to mention two clients we were generating $1.3 million in top-line revenue out of this process. So, why? Because they just weren't the right fit clients. Once we started looking at how many people were actually dealing with these clients and how it just wasn't the right fit. So, it's also not only the multiplication, subtraction of the employees, It's also who your clients are and to make sure you have the
0: right (laughs) fit. Totally true. I love, even though I probably take way too much glee out of firing clients, but when they're a right fit and they have top line revenue, but no bottom line revenue, when you actually look in there, either you're not making any money or it's costing you money, which is a wake up call for a lot of people. That's a big deal. So we've talked about before and then current. Now, as you look ahead, because you've learned so much through this process, tell me about what your future looks like for you.
1: My future is just so exciting. It's really I've never felt as energized, excited, and free. But what happened is because we have done such good work in having right fit employees and right-fit clients, I was able to attract a Silicon Valley CR. Okay. There's no way that three, four years ago that my company would have been able to A recruit and hire a world-class integrated CRO that has. I mean, what are we talking about unemployment rate right now? So this individual, his name is Patrick, and Patrick, you know, is is a total blue chip software engineer, Silicon Valley. Lots of experience with uh, companies that were nearly unicorn-sized companies that started smaller, and the reason that he joined us was just how clear. We operate the business, I clear who, where we're going and what we're doing, and just so excited to be involved in this. Had I kept the 45 employees or the 50 employees and all these other clients, we would have just been chasing our tails all day long. You know, I heard something recently that I love. So there's a difference. We were very efficient, but man, we were not effective. Mm. We were not effective. So I was just running my business on efficiencies not being effective. And he would not have been attracted to the business if we were just efficient. He's attracted because how effective we are in everything we do. And I was able to recruit an unbelievable person that had so many choices because of how dialed in we are. So that frees me up. So you ask, what does the future look out like for me? I love it. I mean, I'm really working on... So I really take about a lot of free days, you know, and I always joke whenever I go to my workshop with Dan, I say he's the killer of my free days. Why? Because I come up with 20 new ideas, (laughs) and I install them. So, he kills my free days. So, we have the standing joke. But it's wonderful where I can actually have the time now to be the visionary and to really look out in the future of the business and not have to worry about looking in what's happening because of automation systems, super-employee, and an amazing leader now that i brought in that can grow my super employees to be even better. Mm. So how can I not be happy?
0: Fantastic. Oh, I'm so excited for you, Paul. I can't thank you enough. I have so many takeaways. I'm just going to repeat some of them in case anyone missed them. The whole idea of, <laughs> if you don't have a culture with accountability, you have a club. That's one of my favorites. Oh, by the way, the efficient versus effective. I love that. I've heard it's, this is another example of that. It's like getting to the top of the ladder and realizing the ladder's on the wrong wall. (laughs) So yeah, That's a yeah, difference between exactly. efficient and effective. So I totally agree with that. Your whole idea of super employees and then really helping to make their lives better and increase their capabilities, which I think is really powerful. Even just calling them power plays, what people do when they really build up their kingdoms. I think that's a great thing. If you're watching power plays in your company, that's a really good clue that there's something amiss. The whole value of documenting processes, which EOS and coach are aligned on, but hiring someone who's, talent and we would say unique ability is to do that versus trying to do it yourself or sometimes even expecting the people in the role to do it because they're not going to. You know they're either too busy or they don't have that ability to examine how they're currently doing it. I like how you talked about it. if you don't do something you're going to be held hostage to your own business, which a lot of entrepreneurs feel that way. And then your whole focus on culture and innovation and execution. You just really have a beautiful way of both you know how you've thought things through and then also articulating them. so, I'm walking away with a lot of takeaways today. (laughs) So thank you very much. And I'm grateful. I wrote multiplication by subtraction to give people the confidence to take action, either to really put a person who's not being successful in a role in a better role where they can fit or, which actually you did, but they just happen to be now outside of yep. your company. So
1: in a capacity that's not full-time.
0: I love that. Well, the book helped give you the confidence. You've got lots already to see things.
1: The tools, that, the tools and confidence.
0: Excellent. So I love it. I, I haven't heard a story quite like this before. <laughs> Letting go, going from 44 to 14 employees and adding a million dollars plus to the bottom line. Wow, that's a pretty dramatic result. So that's why I wanted to get your story out to the world because I think it's really effective. Right. So any last words of wisdom, Paul, before we close off?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, for entrepreneurs that are out there, just work on your business, you know, once a month. have or What I've heard recently is called thinking time. Mm. Just take some thinking time. Efficient and effective. You know, don't just think because you work 20 hours and you put out fires that you had a good week. A good week is you took an afternoon off to think about your business and what you're doing. So that that would be what I would suggest. And go to coach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I completely concur. Well, Paul, thank you so much. I know I'll probably be talking to you again when you've had some other big leap of growth because I know that that's what you're up to. And I'll see you shortly in your next workshop. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Bye-bye.